The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Finding that balances for governments between, to what extent do we permit travel to what extent do we paralyze uh, our business? Uh, right? it's, it's, it's remarkable, I find, how unsynchronized these efforts have uh, been within countries, but certainly between countries. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Becali. Welcome back to another episode of COVID-19 from Crisis to Creation here on Mentory TV. I'm Patricia Fago-Becali, your host. Well, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to cost lives and livelihoods. Many, many sectors really being hit very badly. One of them, the travel and leisure sector, really being decimated right from the onset of the pandemic as well. And so I thought, why not look at that sector? It's a huge sector. We all go on holiday. We love it. And we all started canceling it, of course, because of the fear of catching the virus. So I thought, why not reach out to one of the closest to the business and a big name in the business of travel and leisure? His name is Rainer Stampfer. He is the president Asia Pacific of one of my favorite hotel brands, the Four Seasons Hotel. Rainer, thank you so much for being here with us on Mentory TV. Patricia, thank you for having me. Rainer, let me start the conversation off with a quote by you which I personally, I thought was uh, very, very insightful. We can never stand still. The important thing is to know when to walk slowly and when to sprint ahead. Rainer, being at the moment where we are with COVID-19, what are you doing? Are you standing still? Are you sprinting ahead or are you doing a mix of both? So, yeah, I think speed matters. And uh, just as you quoted, thanks for looking that up. Uh, There are times when you need to do uh, either or uh, the other. Clearly, when we started to be affected by what what initially was termed COVID, it wasn't quite yet a a pandemic. As you know, it all started in Asia, so we were the first ones, particularly in China, to feel the brunt of it. And it required really fast adjustments. Uh, Health, safety of of our employees, of our guests, Uh, needless to say, was at the forefront of our minds. And so it was a lot about firefighting. It was a lot about immediate crisis management, about reacting quickly, knowing that you will never get everything right uh, at that very time. And then you adjust and you learn. And we certainly have had quite a learning curve over what now is uh, eight, nine, ten months already. 
And uh, then as, as we evolved along with the pandemic, as it became a global uh, issue, clearly that uh, has since kept us all uh, breathless, there have been a lot of moments where we stopped, where we wanted to make sure we are considering the, the longer term impact of the pandemic, of all of the economics uh, that are being uh, affected, uh, the livelihood, obviously, of all the various stakeholders. And uh, uh, importantly for us, though, through all of this, once more, I'd like to come back to the health and safety. As you say, you were making bookings, you cancelled them again. Ultimately, besides the fact that governments have to permit travel, I'm certain people will only travel with, with a necessary amount of trust to that extent, we early on entered into a consulting agreement with Johns Hopkins uh, Medical International, one of the renowned uh, epidemiolo epidemiologists, a difficult word. And so they've guided us very, very closely over the months and have allowed us to make sure that we adjust uh, our measures and our behavior through this pandemic as uh, has been necessary. Rainer, and we will talk about the long-term potential changes within the Four Seasons hotels, as well as in the sector in general and trust uh, a, a little later on. But let me come back to what you were saying, the onset of the crisis. And of course, we have COVID-19, but before that, also coming out of uh, China, was SARS. Now, was there anything in your, and I suppose you do have like a crisis management plan, uh, as every big company or brand usually has, was there anything that you could really take from that? Or is the COVID-19 pandemic at the level it mapped out uh, really so different that you had to overtake everything or overrule everything? I, I do think we had a, a little advantage, if that's the right word, at the onset uh, with the experience from SARS. Uh, a lot of Asian countries were more heavily affected back then, as you know. Uh, we, we did have a, a few chapters, if you will, in our crisis management binder as to how to uh, not frankly uh, try and tackle anything of the dimension that we're seeing today, but certainly the, the early steps helped. And I think that's paired with governmental preparedness. Certainly I'm sitting here in Singapore. Singapore is one of the, the countries that I think overall has managed uh, through this pandemic, granted it's, it's a smaller city-state and one can argue it's a little easier, but has managed the situation comparably well. We're obviously closely looking at how that is being handled in globally, but in my case, particularly in the other Asian countries, we're operating in 13 uh, countries and region in, in, in Asia-Pacific. And so we had that... that uh, little help, if, if, if you will, in terms of preparedness in the beginning, but learned very, very quickly that by far wouldn't suffice and, uh, again, needed to adjust, uh, adjust from there. Yeah. You meant, uh, mentioned governmental help. I think it's really interesting for you. Of course, you are the president of Asia Pacific, but the Four Seasons Hotel is a global brand. We have it in Europe. We have it in the States. To what extent really did you communicate uh, amongst each other, as you know, be it regions or the individual hotels, and how much support or non-support was, was really given by the governments in order to, to get up to speed and to really try to deliver and, and, and still have a viable business? 
So within Four Seasons, we communicate on a global level very, very actively. That is, in some instances, on a daily, but certainly on a weekly basis. And even as this unfolded in the beginning, uh, we we had all the spotlights on us, not a light that we had ever wanted, but it, it was viewed a little bit clearly as an, as an Asian problem to begin with. And I think that's the way the world looked at it. Uh, governments here do work very actively uh, with us, be it here the Singapore Tourism Bureau, different authorities uh, that are locally engaged, that do include the industry, that wants to listen to hospitality and other relevant industries about uh, how to open the country up, right? Clearly, uh, again, not just Singapore, but when you look into Thailand, into Vietnam, into a number of countries of Southeast Asia, uh, these closed borders generate massive issues. And I think they're generally being quite pragmatic about uh, hearing us out, trying to understand how they can establish be travel corridors or, or certain arrangements that are necessary. Having said that, the goalposts have constantly moved. Governments, I think it's fair to say, have struggled with it. And so we continue to be engaged very, very actively to try and find ways to enable travel and with that hospitality business. Let me quickly interrupt the conversation to say thank you that you are here with me on the channel. If you do enjoy what I'm putting out, the in-depth kind of conversations, then why don't you subscribe and also hit the bell button so I can keep you informed with our newest releases. Thanks for that in advance and let's get back to the conversation. And earlier on, you mentioned the long-term strategy or the long-term impact and how the Four Seasons Hotel or the entire industry starts preparing for it. And let me share with you a screen, if I may, which I pulled out, which I thought was um, very interesting. It is a study by Deloitte. It came out already in May 2020 and um, it plays scenarios. And let me share it with you. I know it is cold on you, but I would like to just confront you with it. You know, the, uh, the four distinct scenarios emerge based on current trends. Um, and um, they talk about the passing storm, the good company, the lone wolves, and the sunrise in the east. And of course, the sunrise in the east is something that is quite interesting potentially for you. Just to sum it up, um, also for our viewers that don't want to you know, look at the small print, basically passing storm means the COVID-19 pandemic is being managed quite quickly. It has repercussions on small, medium-sized businesses, but overall the business is okay, policy is doing good, and everything is being handled. So COVID comes, we all suffer a bit, COVID goes, we go back to normal. Second scenario, and you alluded to it in a way when you talked just now, um, Rainer, about the government's, government's help. Good company, meaning a prolonged scenario. Nine months into it, uh, people are now looking at a vaccine, hopefully first quarter of next year. However, if it is a prolonged situation, then we have the large companies actually going forward, coming up, stepping up with solutions because governments struggle to handle it. They don't know what to focus uh, on. Is it lives? Is it livelihoods? I mean, what we've seen over the past few months. So that is the second one. Moving more and more also, if you think about it, into stakeholder kind of advocacy. 
The lone wolf, which I thought was interesting also to name it like that, is a severe rolling COVID-19 crisis, meaning what we've been seeing in, uh, you know, at the onset March, the first wave. Now we're into, you know, uh, almost winter. The second wave is coming actually at a worse uh, level. So the government adopt isolation. So close the borders, very similar to what happened at the beginning They keep on doing so. Low global coordination. Everybody is kind of like like a hedgehog rolling themselves into it. And the fourth one is the sun in the east, uh, the sunrise in the east. And that means a severe COVID-19 pandemic. China and the ASEAN countries, interesting to you, expected to manage just better than the rest of the world. And um, they are going to become more and more a primary power worldwide. And the collaboration will be there, but limits itself to Asian countries. Now, enough talk from me. I would like to have your reaction, Rainer, on, on this kind of scenario play by Deloitte, who is, you know, a company that looks at these kind of things on a very regular basis, coming out periodically with these surveys. Starting with the sunrise in the east, clearly, right, if, if you look at, at a number of months now, China Uh, seemingly has managed uh, the the pandemic uh, pandemic really well. Granted, they have the the tools in place of immediate tracing, understanding clusters, uh, limiting impact uh, where where they see a, a potential. I wouldn't even call it wave, but a, a, a new breakout. Uh, we saw that most recently, first week of October during the national holiday and the Golden Week travel in China, where I believe it was about 680 million Chinese traveling domestically. Four weeks later, where you, you know, likely would have seen the impact uh, had there been a, 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 a more relevant one. Uh, clearly, once again, I think the, the, the verdict would be that that has, has uh, worked out that uh, the discipline uh, by the population and, and the gate, again, just the way travel works, still, even in China, with certain control mechanisms in place, uh, that that has been managed well. Going beyond that, and, and Asia as, as a whole, and including the Pacific in there, we see that what China can do, what possibly Australia can do as a domestic market, not quite to the same extent, but, but to a relevant uh, amount that works for them. For the many smaller Southeast Asian countries, it doesn't work. And so I think China and the rest of Asia have to look, uh, have to be looked at there uh, separately. And uh, When you consider that even though, again, Vietnam, Thailand and a number of countries, Singapore included, are in, in comparably good shape today, that clearly uh, is a result of uh, six months of uh, almost complete closure of borders. While in Europe, where we're seeing this, this strong second wave, uh, there was very active travel through the European Union, continental Europe, including the UK, and beyond through all the summer months. And I guess to some extent, what we're seeing today is, is, is a result of that. So finding that balances for governments between to what extent do we permit travel, to what extent do we paralyze uh, our business, uh, 
right? It's, it's, it's remarkable, I find, how unsynchronized these efforts have uh, been within countries, but certainly between countries. And I guess where when we're heavily affected in the hospitality industry uh, is largely tied back to the, to, to the point that you made, made how, do, how do industries and companies react to it? Well, we do. We're trying to be creative domestically, but the reality is as long as the airlines are not flying and the governments uh, don't open the borders, we have a, a greater limitation and a greater dependence on these regulatory circumstances than not all but most other industries. And that clearly requires for us to reach out uh, even more so, requires for us a very active engagement with governments. And we've got to find solutions together because domestically there is only so much we can do. Yeah, I think this interdependence, of course, that every industry, especially global industry, depends on its own supply chain. And for you, the supply chain is to have the carriers, you know, the airlines to carry your customer from, let's say, Switzerland to uh, wherever you are in Singapore or wherever in beautiful Asia. That is so critical. So, yes, you do your, your part. You're being a good company. You're trying to advocate. But unless there is a um, political private partnership, the classical PPP setup, up, there is only so much you can do in terms of, uh, you know, continuing to manage a good, healthy and profitable business. And I would say even with this PPP, right, in many instances, you would speak of how that relationship works within a country. Here, it requires at minimum two countries to come together. Yeah. And that makes it so much more difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, global cooperation certainly uh, in the last four years has been a bit of an issue to say the least. But let's not get political. Let's stay with the business and your business in particular. Now, um, one other thing I would like to talk about is something you mentioned earlier on, and that is trust. Uh, the trust in the brand, the trust that we can really go and relax. At the same time, me as a customer, It seems that also KPMG, they came out with a fantastic study in August 2020. They look at how COVID-19 really changed the customer-consumer behavior, the attitudes. Trust is down about 15% in institutions such as airlines and hotels. Trust is fundamental because you trust wherever you go in the four seasons around the world, you will get the highest excellence of service, a certain ambiance, you know, the four seasons feeling all the time. How do you recreate that trust? Right, as one says, uh, it takes a long time to earn trust and you lose it really, really quickly. Having said that, I believe in the luxury hospitality generally and for seasons in particular, uh, we, we have certain parameters that hopefully, and, and even recent months have shown that, work in our favor in luxury hospitality, you have by nature a bit more space, right? You may argue that space is one aspect of luxury. And uh, we've seen that particularly in drive-up markets, in urban resorts, in uh, traditional resort destinations, though, that don't require you to, to travel cross-border, that we've seen great interest in these destinations, that we have communicated very, very actively and a lot about trust is, is around communication, that we're being transparent, 
that we're being authentic, that we're sharing what we're doing. And I would come back again that our relationship and, and our consulting agreement with Johns Hopkins uh, has supported us uh, significantly. So the amount of measures, we've always said we want to make sure that while the experience may look differently, that it feels the same. Now, easier said than done. Uh, we've had to dramatically adjust all the processes and certain product choices in our hotels. But I think yet again that that is something that uh, has worked well, that we hear from the few travelers that are able to not just stay in one Four Seasons Hotels these days, but to come to several where we feel good about the feedback that we get about we're being consistent. It shows there's a plan behind it. They feel that all the hygiene measures and everything that we can do procedurally is in place. And that supports that trust factor uh, immensely. Having said that, again, we, we're, we're in a larger uh, ecosystem. And I'm by the end still among those optimists who believes that once whether it's the vaccine, where we just got uh, news uh, over the last couple of days, uh, which will, in, in my opinion, still be supported by a number of other measures and testing and what have you, uh, tracking patterns of, of outbreaks and so forth. But, but that people, by the end, A, want to travel, that trust, trust, I think, in this instance, gets established relatively quickly. Once people do it once, they hear from their friends, it worked. They do it a second time, uh, following some early adopters. I, I do think that people will by the end travel again a lot more quickly than we may think today, being in the middle of the crisis. It needs a few key events, but I'm still optimistic that once that recovery starts, that it may happen a little more quickly than in all the doom and gloom today may be easily uh, overlooked. Yeah, it's a bit like on the dance floor, as I always say, in a in a nightclub, you know, it takes one to start dancing and all of a sudden, woof, you know, it's full, you can't move anymore. But, um, you know, what, what I was uh, thinking about, the scenarios where we were talking earlier on and your long-term plan, uh, KPMG came out with a study, the new um, COVID-19 consumer, and they're looking at the consumer, the customer in the leisure and travel business. And they, for example, say that 44% of consumers now expect any hotel to provide hygiene measures. You alluded to it, of course, very important, but a quarter really want uh, companies, hotels, resorts, they want special deals. They want a cancellation policy. About 46% say, hey, most important for me is I want to book. I say I'm coming, but if I can't, for whatever force majeure, I want you guys to be really, really flexible. Now, this brings me to the question of your business model and, and how you're adjusting. First of all, looking at these four scenarios, what is a scenario that the Four Seasons Hotel now really prepares for, I mean, in a strategic but also tactical basis? And, and what are the demands and the business model that will have to change in the long term, you think, for the next new normal in that particular sector? Yeah. If I may first come back quickly to your point about a deal, I guess it depends on how you define a deal. Uh, having to be flexible I think goes without saying. Cancellation policies, given the uncertainty and lack of visibility, very clear. I think the industry, industry as a whole has done 
for the very most part, a pretty good job with that. And speaking uh, again for for seasons, and I know we're not the only ones there, but uh, we're absolutely flexible and and work with our clients uh, in and until the day before the arrival. Uh, and even in some instances on the day of the arrival, knowing that it may not be in the hands of, of, of the consumer. So having that flexibility is key. And we've seen very clearly a, a pattern that frankly existed already prior, but uh, that that has been has become even more profound of people making up their mind later and later, shorter booking patterns and deciding much more ad hoc as to when they feel ready to travel. And again, I think right now there are very obvious reasons as to why that would be the case. So flexibility, yes. On the deal side of it, actually, we've seen the opposite. Uh, uh, and, and there may be exceptions. What we've seen with a lot of travelers that for those who were ready, who said, I want to go to the destination, I've had enough. Uh, right, A lot of people speak of revenge travel. I'm not sure I really like that. That uh, Terminology. terminology. <laughs> I've got to go against all odds. <laughs> right. But, but we've seen that, that customers are willing to pay for that trust factor to the extent that they know it's hygienic. They know it's clean. They know they looked well after. They know that if anything were to happen there, they're not stuck to the extent that we can help. And, and so truly caring for people, that's the core and center of our business. I think that's hopefully what we've always been known for and what we've built our business upon. That has become even more important. But I wouldn't describe that as a deal, but as, as table stakes and as, as great relevance, certainly in the luxury hospitality and absolutely for Four Seasons. Yeah, and in terms of the scenarios, what what are you looking at? What what do you think will be terminal uh, changes that will be there for the long run? Again, I believe that a lot of behavior and certain patterns that we were working with in the past will come back. When I say that, I believe that that and, and again, how quickly they come back will depend on widely available vaccine, and, and, and a number of the, 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 the topics that we've just uh, talked about. What I do think will not come back is largely related to certain trends that I believe were in place prior that clearly have been accelerated. Um, what we've been working with all along, but it's just so much more rapidly relevant and may have shifted to whatever degree to be more, more specific, remote everything, mm-hmm. right? We saw that prior, but uh, remote uh, access to your door in a hotel, uh, remote abilities to check in and to check out, uh, choosing when to interact. And again, in luxury hospitality, we believe that interaction should never go away, but it's your choice. You may have a certain time of the day or, or circumstances where you don't want to see anybody and you want to be able to do everything remotely. And during other times of the day or on a different visit, you appreciate that personal interaction just the more. Digitization clearly uh, 
had taken a grip of, of our industry, like most other industries, to a significant uh, extent prior, that has been accelerated. We're not going to go back anywhere in this regard. And we're very, very focused to answer your question about a longer term plan as to how we continue with the digitization of our business, what that means in terms of customer acquisition, uh, customer care, how we communicate uh, our Four Seasons app, uh, our Four Seasons chat, which has seen huge popularity, I think has been an, an essential component for trust building because we have a very established chat that uh, allows us globally to connect with you, whether you're on property or not, within typically below 90 seconds to respond to your questions, to help you with your bookings, to help you with cancellations, to do whatever you need to do in your language, in well over 100 languages, but all done not by chatbots, but by an individual person in one of our hotels. So the digitization clearly we're not going to move back there. And this, I think, is just going to happen uh, more and more quickly. Uh, a last one, perhaps, there to prioritize this is what I would call globalization, where uh, we're clearly in a global world. We're a global hospitality company. We've got globally traveling customers. And yet the local aspects, how we consider specific circumstances in every jurisdiction environment that we operate in, that relevance has grown even further. And to be able to make decisions locally, to support locally, to understand the respective cultural nuances, again, it was relevant beforehand, but I think it's, it's been tremendously accelerated as it relates to the attention a business has to pay to it and how we really have the right measures in place to respond to a customer. And that wraps up the first part of my conversation with Rainer Stampfer. He's president of Asia Pacific for the Four Seasons Hotels. And if you do like our conversations here on Mentory TV, generally speaking, why don't you give us a thumbs up and most importantly, perhaps join us by subscribing on to the YouTube channel so I can keep you always informed about my latest releases. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.